Hey, 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 and welcome back to episode 34 of Free the Geek FM. In this episode, I'm talking with Matthew Turland, a truly wonderful and warm human being, about updating one of the books that he's written, how Node.js compares to PHP, how to write a book, that is, how to write a technical book, and so much more. Alright, well welcome, welcome, welcome again, and this time to episode 37. Now as I was saying before the music there, in this episode I chat to my friend Matthew Turland. As I said, he is a truly warm and caring human being. I would actually love to meet Matthew in person, but I have to get over to the US again to do so. Anyway, that said, note to self, that is something I want to do. We had a really, really awesome chat, because I think I've self-published a couple of technical books. Matthew has written via publishers some technical books. So, you know, we share that in common and it's something that, I mean, I'm speaking personally, I really enjoy doing, though they are really time intensive. So that's something that you're going to pick up on the episode. Some other things that we talk about was what it was like to update uh, an existing book for a new edition. And that was something that I learned to give a little tidbit there. He said over 50 to 60% of the content was rewritten. Now that really blew me away because I thought, you know, you've, you've got the base content, maybe 20 to 30, but, but 50 to 60. So that was really interesting. And he did say, to be fair, that a bit of time had passed since he'd written the original version. So I guess that makes a lot of sense. And tech being tech, so many things change so quickly and so regularly. Some other things that we talked about, was how to get started. You know, say you have an idea for a book or you kind of want to test the waters for writing in general, how you can go about doing that and how you can find publishers to at least talk to and pitch to, how to kind of know if you've got the chops to do it and loads and loads more and also about how Node.js compares to PHP. Now, this is from someone who I've written JavaScript over the years, but I haven't really done much in a node context. So it was really interesting from that perspective to to get a feel for that as well, because you know, you always want to take on new languages, try some existing ones, and so forth. It was an episode that I really enjoyed having a chat to him about. Um, as always, I love to learn things from the people that I have the the honor and pleasure of, of having on the show. Now before we cut over into the interview or the session itself, the fireside chat as I used to call them. One thing I want to draw to your attention, Matthew's audio was great. Unfortunately in this one I had another audio issue which was for some reason, I think it was owing to Zencaster or my internet connection was a bit flaky when we were recording. My audio is a little bit choppy and uh, I don't know the audio engineer term for it but there are little sort of quirks in it. I hope that won't put you off. I hope by telling you that it won't put you off either. Please bear on through. I don't actually do a lot of the talking in this session as always. Matthew does the most and his audio is great. But just one thing to, to keep in mind. Anyway, that said, I hope you enjoy the session with Matthew and I'll see you afterwards. All right. So I guess we were having a bit of a yarn about different possible topics to talk about. And we were looking at what like PHP and you mentioned you're doing much more node now and the book Web Scraping with PHP 2nd Edition. Which thing would you like to kick off first? And then I'll find something interesting to, to 
prod you or probe you? All right. Well, I guess uh, we can start with the book. Um, so uh, um, <laughs> the book, as technical books go, uh, originally the digital edition came out, I think, in late 2009. And then the print edition was around April 2010. So it, it's pretty old by now and in, in tech years. Um, and it, it really hadn't aged very gracefully, <laughs> considering how many things had changed in the PHQB community in that time. So um, uh, the publisher had even gone through an exchange of ownership. So the, uh, the new editor contacted me, and they had more or less gone through the inventory as far as uh, their books in terms of deciding what they would keep, what they would get rid of, uh, what they wanted to update. Um, and getting towards the end of the list, my book came up. And so uh, Oscar Morita reached out and asked if I had any interest in updating it. Um, and by that point, you know, I reflected and thought about everything that had changed uh, just in terms of the things that the book reviewed. Uh, even just Composer as an element in the community had changed so many things. Um, and uh, the book's age obviously had affected uh, what little <laughs> I was getting in royalties. So, um, you know, I, I was lucky if I got enough... I, enough money for uh, a beer <laughs> a quarter so I decided sure why not let's uh, let's go through and update this um, I had never actually done a second edition of a book before and it was surprisingly uh, work intensive as far as you know comparing it to how long it took to originally write the thing to just trying to update it so that its content was current um, yeah, just looking through the table of contents, like I know we scrapped the chapter on pair just because that's, you know, it hasn't been nearly so active, at least from my perspective, in uh, the last few years. Um, uh, some of the extensions that changed, some of the frameworks that changed. I added a whole new chapter on Guzzle uh, for, as an HTTP client. Um, added a whole new chapter on uh, Symfony-related libraries. That were related to which which there are apparently several I learned. <laughs> um, they they actually released Panther right as I was uh, finishing the book, and I think the uh, the HTTP client uh, had a change introduced to where you no longer needed the uh, the supplemental Goot library to do web scraping with their client. So it's it's been amazing just in the last few months of the before we actually got around to publishing the book. How how many things. I had to add. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, the new edition is out now in print and digital. Uh, <laughs> it, it was certainly a lot of work, so I'm hopeful that it's it's useful to uh, you know to the community at large. So, what was the what was the main thing that you had to change there? Was sorry, I'll step back on that. I'll edit that, edit that later. So, with respect to updating the book, was it just being aware of or sort of finding out which um, parts were no longer relevant what had changed uh, was it just the time taken to go through everything or were there sort of certain aspects that just were of themselves very time intensive yeah i think it was more just going through the book and then figuring out what had changed honestly i mean some things were kind of easy like tossing out the pair chapter just because we had a mutual sense that okay this isn't really so relevant anymore but um so like the the packle extension had had a new major version uh, PHP 7 had changed a few things just in terms of compatibility there. Um, Zen Framework had gone through a couple of uh, major versions, editions itself. Um, 
Now, some things, like just the basics of HTTP, obviously didn't change very much. But, um, you know, Composer had been at, uh, added into the community several years back, so the common way of installing things had changed. Um, and it, it, to some degree, I think, contributed to what libraries were popular. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it just it was more like going through and adding content, I think, for major new versions where a lot of uh, things with compatibility may have changed and being able to kind of guide people into if they had, say, an app that had been based on ZF1, how they could go about migrating or, or what the equivalent functionalities were between the two versions, things like that. A lot of it was just research, looking through current documentation, comparing it to what was in the book, figuring out what needed to change and how best to explain it. Um, and that was probably the, <laughs> the, the most tedious part. Um, were there, were there any uh, like unexpected um, aspects? I mean, this might sort of overlap with with what you were just saying, but there was were there sort of any were there any surprises, any any unexpected sort of things that came up during um, refreshing the book? Uh, not not really so much. I think it was more just the like I think I knew going in that a lot was going to change. I, I don't think I really had a, a grasp on the magnitude of that change. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I mean, I'd, I'd say we probably rewrote at least 50, 60% of the book Damn. in the process of, uh, yeah, of, of going through just to update things and add things. Um, trying to remember, I don't know that we kept some of the original content in cases where versions had changed. Like, I think, I want to say we tossed out the stuff on Package HTTP 1 just because at this point you can't even get a hold of that version anymore easily and the documentation for it isn't available, so... Um, you know, so some things like that, we just, I mean, I, I tried to keep content where possible just because I know that there are apps like, for example, in Zen Framework 1 that are still out there. Um, pro probably even some that I've written. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, no, it was just the, the sheer amount of changes that had happened in the past 10 years, uh, it, it kind of brought it all to bear as we had to go through and update each chapter. Okay. Well, uh, on a different note, like what? And maybe sort of without wanting to pump too deeply, what was it like? Like, what's the process of, of writing the book? Um, is it sort of you, know, you get contacted? Would you be interested in writing a book on on X? And then here's like the, the the format that you have to write it in, that sort of thing. Like, how does how does it work? If assuming maybe someone had an idea and they were thinking about it, and maybe wanted to get a bit more of an idea without sort of wanting to full on take a plunge. Gotcha. So, um. In my case, it was it was interesting. So the first book that I published was the first edition of this book. Um, the idea actually came from an article that I wrote for the magazine. So if you want to, say, dip your toe into the waters, as it were, uh, being able to comfortably write an article of reasonable length about the topic is probably a good first step. Um, I can't remember. I, I want to say that I approached... The publisher and I, and I think I actually tried pitching the book to a few of the major publishers like O'Reilly um, or Rocks at the time, um, and none of them w went for it. So it ended up that it just I ended up at going through the same publisher and doing it with them. Um, <clears throat> things like you know process and uh, format really depend heavily on the publisher. I think. Uh, like the first time around, the my first edition was in the this sort of markdown like 
language called Circe's, and I don't even know that it w it really existed outside of the publisher's use of it. Um, the second time around, we went through using uh, Pandoc Markdown. In the case of the only other book that I have my name on, which is uh, one that I co-wrote, uh, that one I think we actually just used a regular word processor format, so it can vary pretty widely. And then the process, you know, of, of submitting changes, going through edits. Uh, I mean, I, I think I, as a programmer, I prefer text-based mm -hmm. formats just because it seemed easier to be able to fire up my text editor, push changes in Git, and so forth. But um, yeah, I mean, as far as somebody considering it, I'd say look at maybe writing a magazine article on it, um, putting together a perspective table of contents and maybe a chapter to pitch and uh just seeing who, who bites on the idea, I suppose. Um, I was just lucky enough. I think that I knew, you know, I knew, I knew several people working at the publisher at the time personally. Um, and in the case of the book that I helped co-write, I actually was, uh, suggested as an editor originally. And then mm -hmm. two of the authors that were going to be on the project ended up not being able to commit to it due to scheduling. And so they ended up asking me to be an author. So, um, no, I think once you get in and have a credit to your name, I think it probably becomes a little easier if you have other things you want to do. But um, I can't say that my mm -hmm. uh, my journey through the process has been, you know, uh, a, good, a good example as far as other people's experiences. But um, yeah, that would probably be my advice. Hindsight being twenty twenty. Okay. Um, I haven't um, published a book through a publisher before. I've done some self-published books. And of the... And I think I did one through Lean Pub, and that was sort of some quasi-Lean Pub-flavoured um, markdown. Um, and I, I didn't mind it, I must say. I'm not too huge on it. But the format I liked the most was, was ASCII Doc. And I think people maybe... Nobody best might be feeling right at this point, saying, oh, he's not talking about that again. Um but I really enjoyed that process because I found, as you said, it's a text-based format. So you just use your editor of choice. Um, it's easy to sort of commit to PRs and stuff and get those reviewed. And um, even I think ASCII Doctor PDF may have fallen a bit out of favor with the maintainer. Not totally sure on it. It still was a relatively straightforward process to, to you know, to write a book and create um, a publishing chain that, or sorry, tool chain that would work more or less well, it, admittedly, I guess if you go with a publisher, you're more submitting content and they take care of layout and, and artwork and so on. So if you're self-publishing, it's do it all yourself. But from a creation perspective, at least ASCII doc was pretty painless and worked really well. Yeah, that was definitely one of the aspects that I, uh, that I liked about going through a publisher was less worry about the marketing. I mean, to some extent, yeah, you're still going to be responsible for some of it as the author, but, um, just in terms of getting the book out to people who might be interested in it. Um, and the fact that, you know, they, the publisher has the magazine, they also help put on conferences where the book mm -hmm. can be displayed. It's uh, it helps a lot um, with as much as I already have to schedule my life around things and my job and my family. <laughs> I don't have a lot of spare time to self market as not nearly as much as I would like, unfortunately. So um, I did actually consider, uh, self-publishing the second edition originally before they reached out to me. I just hadn't gotten around to it, but, um, I haven't, I haven't completely excluded self-publishing as an option. If I find a topic that, um, that I have enough interest in to produce another book 
and uh, one that I don't think necessarily might appeal as much to publishers. Um, so at some point I might pursue that option myself. Okay. Um, so would you say that if the opportunity presented itself, you'd write another one or it'd be something where maybe you'd have to really sort of consider uh, whether it's something that you, you're dedicated enough to given the, um, the, the personal involvement required? Yeah, I think if the opportunity was... Uh was substantial enough. Like, I mean, in the case of the book that I helped co-author, um, it was with SitePoint and I only had to do like a few mm-hmm. chapters. So it wasn't like it was a huge commitment in terms of time, not nearly as much as writing a book completely from scratch. Um, so it, yeah, just in terms of the time that it takes, I remember how much time it took. It took a good six months of basically any spare moment I had on nights and weekends to mm-hmm. write the first edition of the book that I wrote uh, myself. So uh, it would it would take a pretty uh, a pretty substantial topic and or offer from a publisher to convince me to go through that again. I think, but it's 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 not an impossibility. All right, well that's interesting. Um, I'm sort of I have ideas for stuff in my mind. Admittedly, time is not readily available um, at the moment, given a couple of kids, uh, wife, you know, all all the, the family life, household, and stuff, but. I'm I'm curious to see what it would be like on the proverbial other side to sort of go through a publisher um, as opposed to doing it myself. So yeah, um, I'll, I'll keep that open. Maybe there might be a future blog posts about the process. Um, okay, that said, maybe we can sort of circle back to talking about um, before we sort of started off the interview. Probably we're talking about doing a lot more Node now and sort of less PHP. I haven't done a whole lot of it. I have sort of done contributions to. Uh, other people's code, open source code stuff. I'm curious as to what, maybe as a comparison to PHP or coming from a PHP background, what you find it like, what the transition was like, how you found it. Um, so I, uh, I, I was a bit, um, um, I'm trying to look for a good word here. Uh, I don't know about anxious, but um, I, most of the work that I'd done with JavaScript had been front end. Like at the last job that I'd had, I was doing some React, um, also maintaining a legacy code base, and I want to say it was Backbone. Um, so I hadn't done a lot of back end stuff aside from what I had done in PHP. Um, I mean, honestly, I didn't find the transition to be too too much. I mean, obviously, there, you know, there there are things that the language as a platform has in common. I mean, obviously, you know, servers are still run more or less the same way. You don't necessarily have to uh, integrate with a web server, but, um, and there's still, you know, a package manager and a fairly uh, active community and making, you know, libraries, frameworks, et cetera, available and easily installs to start a new project. Um, The... um, the breadth of the standard library for the language was definitely something to get used to um, and how much and how often you had to rely on dependencies and how deep those dependencies tended to go. Um, I kept my finger on the pulse enough to know about things like you know the big mm-hmm. uh, left pad controversy thing that happened when that package got pulled and it had a lot of different dependencies in that community. Um, um, I mean, overall, like it, I haven't, 
I haven't found it to be as, uh, I guess, uh, as tangible a community to be involved in yet as I have with BHB. Um, like, you know, there are, there's no sort of set of prominent figures that you see. Um, I don't see as many conferences that are specifically dedicated to it as there are with BHB, just in terms of quantity. I know they do exist, but I've yet to actually attend one or speak at one. Um, the language itself, actually, I've, I've found that I prefer just because it seems like things can be expressed a lot more concisely in a lot of instances. Um, I mean, I, and I mean, PHP has started to kind of borrow a lot of the uh, more desirable features of JavaScript. So that's, that's a sort of a closing window slowly over time. But um, I mean, with, an, with, the, with the experience that I had had as a full stack developer in the age where that was still more of a thing than it is now, um, having known the language enough from having to use it in a browser, I didn't find the transition to be that big a jump, honestly. Um, I think in part from having worked with as many languages, uh, mm -hmm. some from when I was in at university and some just messing around or, or at work. Um, you know, after a while, I guess it just seems like just one more, it's not as big of a deal and having to pick it up. Was there, um, were there, were there any sort of hiccups or gotchas that like in the, in the early, um, part of your transition that sort of caught you out or not really? Uh, I mean, a lot of it was just having to, uh, you know, obviously do a lot of reading and, uh, I guess to a degree relearning about how things work in a given project. Uh, uh, the the readmes were not things that were maintained very well where I work. So a lot of things I had to learn sort of by trial and error and consulting Stack Overflow and Google more than I might have to mm -hmm. normally uh, working in a job where more of my background was applicable. Um, but no, I mean, not I can't remember anything that sort of stood out beyond that as uh, sort of a gotcha. Um, I mean, with... If I actually, if I had to say one thing, it was probably that um, the the language is a bit more complex to deal with because of the existence of things like Babel, where um, you might have access to some language features or not, depending on whether you have it available or what version you have or you know what have you. Um, the language has had a very substantial evolution especially I think over the past few years, even compared to PHP um, with its leaps and bounds and the RFC process and actually being able to get features implemented and then, you know, releases regular. Um, it's, it's definitely been um, uh, an environment that is more rife with change than I'm used to. Can we touch back onto that? You mentioned, is it Babel or Babelware? I'm not too heavy into node so i'm not sort of too familiar with that i don't know what, what that was so um my understanding of it is admittedly fairly rudimentary but essentially it, it's that um it allows for code to be transpiled such that you can use features that aren't natively available necessarily oh, okay. depending on what version of the platform you're working with um so in, in particular like syntactic features in the language that might not be available um I'm trying to think of a good one. 
Um, have you seen the ellipsis yes. operator in PHP? I think that was one that was originally introduced. Okay, yeah, that one I believe did actually uh, originate, or at least to my knowledge, it did ah, okay. in uh, in ES6 in JavaScript, and that's where PHP got it from. So that's so yeah, that's one example of a feature that may or may not have been natively pre present in whatever version of the language a person happened to be working with. That Babel is the sort of thing that it can provide by tr transpiling that to native code that does work. Gotcha. Okay. Um, you were. Um, one, one of the topics that always interests me around language is, and in general, is, is communities. And you said there weren't sort of big figures or, or notable figures such as is more prominent in the PHP community. Do you find the community um, still sort of welcoming despite that more, I don't know how I could sort of describe it, more broader abstract nature, not wanting to kind of downplay them? Yeah, Um I mean, I, I haven't, I can't recall having had any unpleasant experiences. My interactions have admittedly been fairly limited. Um, but no, I, I think, you know, they've, they've all seemed very, fairly welcoming of uh, suggestions, changes, questions. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, let's see. I'd actually, I think I have one in my inbox. Right. So um, the only one that I can think of offhand was uh, this. Uh, R rule library that I was trying to use in a personal project um, and some confusions that I had surrounding it. And the author was fairly good about, you know, providing sort of longhand explanations of how, why things were the way they were, uh, difficulties that he'd found in implementing it, why things weren't necessarily intuitive. Um, so no, overall, I'd say that my, my, what few experiences I've had with interacting with the community have been fairly good. Uh, I just, that's not to say that you know sort of predominant figures don't exist. I just find that there are fewer of them, and it's you are less likely to sort of accidentally stumble upon who they are or be able to easily figure out who they are comparatively. Um, I mean, I say that the PHP community was really sort of the the only community that I've had a lot of experience interacting with. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> That's fair enough. Um, I'd like to say, I, I am aware of, although I couldn't list them off the top of my head. I'm terrible with names. Um, some, but yeah, maybe it's it's the, the fact of familiarity with PHP community that um, skews my judgment or memory. Um, from, a, I guess, maybe sort of sticking with a code perspective or getting back to that, I should say, um, any sort of particular tools that you would recommend for um, like performance or static analysis, um, debugging and so forth? Um, honestly, not in particular. Um, I think it, my, any suggestions that I would have would come from more of a practice standpoint necessarily than a particular library. Um, uh, I mean, I, I may bring up suggestions occasionally, but it's more of sort of a, uh, a consistency type thing as to which, uh, tool or library we might be using at work or, or whatever happens to already have sort of, uh, established a presence in the company as a tool that's been used. Um, uh, error logging is definitely, I think, a topic that's um, uh, underserved, maybe, or, or not covered often enough as far as, like, best practices and integrating with tools like, you know, uh, logging services or platforms, uh, being able to easily diagnose um, issues where they are, uh, 
performance uh, interactions with services, especially. So um, the company that I'm working for now, I mentioned the PHP monolith earlier to you. Um, they're moving toward a set of uh, microservices in node. And to some degree, those microservices have to interact with each other internally. So that can make it, I think, all the more difficult in terms of being mm -hmm. able to figure out where a problem lies. Uh, so logging definitely becomes very important. Um, um, but beyond that, uh, I'm honestly offhand. can't think of anything. I'd... My memory is not so great these days either uh, with names or otherwise. But um, let's see. I'm actually just pulling mm -hmm. up something that a, a package that JSON file from one of our projects just to see if there's anything that kind of stands out to me. Um, I mean, in general, I found that like if you go on npmjs.com, there's a library for just about anything you could want. Uh, just sort of paring through it and finding the ones that are good mm -hmm. is uh, is more the challenge there. Uh, it's a bit like CPAN was, uh, or I guess is, uh, on the Perl side of things. Um, but no, I mean, like aside from the backend elements, a lot of the uh, libraries that we use, I find, are sort of some of the same things that you might end up using on the front end. Things like uh, the Moment library for for handling dates and then formatting. Um, uh, you know, Lodash for some common operations that aren't necessarily supported natively. Um, on the, I mean, on the backend side, we do use things like uh, there's a library called Connects for uh, database uh, mm -hmm. abstraction and uh, integration that's fairly useful and fairly uh, nice as far as uh, being usable in the context of the language. Um, let's see, uh, Bluebird is a nice library for handling yeah. promises. Yeah. If you're familiar with those, they, uh, the, the native, uh, the native uh, functionality available is nice, but can leave something to be desired in some cases. So um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Um, you know, there's. I think there's a lot more variation in terms of what's used in the community versus PHP, where um, you might throw out the name of a framework and it's instantly recognized. I think there's a lot more saturation in, on the JavaScript side. So there's just a swath of things that are available that I honestly wouldn't expect a lot of homogeneity looking from project to project in terms of what's used. Okay, oh, that's interesting. So what it's like, so there's not as many larger um, or sort of prominent packages as such, but a, a much broader collection of sort of smaller ones. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah, I think that's been my experience. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I think that the community as a whole does try to keep things somewhat lean as far as the size of dependencies, uh, contrary to what, you know, might be obvious from looking at uh an artifact that's deployed for the front end these days. But um, yeah, the libraries seem to be fairly uh, small in scope and focus in general, I've found, uh, just because I think um, in addition to not wanting applications themselves to become too large, I think they probably have an appreciation for a lean core just because looking at what is actually natively available in the language uh, compared to what you might use at a higher level in okay. uh, a non-trivial application. Um, so, yeah. Hmm. All right. So it's a, a, a language you'd say you were, you were happy with? 
or if if if, if it won't work you know if, if there weren't the motivator there to say you know we have to or we need you to work on this and have to be written in ode would you find yourself wanting to do say personal projects in it or maybe choose something else and i'm not necessarily hinting at php it could be like go java haskell or whatever i'm just sort of curious about that i do um I, I have come to like javascript for the fact that like i say it's a fairly concise language i think in a lot of ways that there's um it's it's still dynamic i i, I don't find that i miss that aspect of php too much when i'm working with javascript um in terms of the language being I mean, I think comparatively simple and then not necessarily having to know as much about the, the warts or the idiosyncrasies of how it works. Um, and I think having a relatively low barrier to entry as a language, yeah, I definitely like JavaScript. Um, and I have done a few personal projects in it. Actually, I've got, um, I've got a bot running right now um, where we actually use uh, Slack in our household uh, to help the kids and I, I and the wife uh, sort of communicate amongst each other. Um, and one of the things, my kids actually have a schedule of chores that they do in exchange for an allowance. And I've got a bot set up that announces to them on a regular interval which chores they need to do and then keeps track of who does what so I can credit them properly. So then that, that's actually all written in Node. Really? Yeah. Now, there's a novel way of getting the kids organized. I think mine are a bit <laughs> young for that, but I like the idea. Yeah, it's been nice. So like, um, so the chores will come up. There's no particular assignments. They just, you know, we tell them, you know, these chores need to be done around this time of day, things like feeding the pets or doing the dishes. Mm -hmm. um, and then depending on uh, the kids, uh, they, you know, they can do more or less as they want. Uh, and ha as things like school uh, may demand the uh, needs on their time. So they'll go in and if they do a chore, they'll, uh, they'll th thumb react to it. And then I've got another process that goes in later and harvests that data and reports on it. So it's, it's, you know, as, as far as a language for being able to do these sorts of things, being able to integrate, being able to, uh, you know, deal with data, uh, I've actually found JavaScript to be a pretty nice language to work with. All right. I don't think I'll put that to my wife. I think she'll look at me funny, but it's <laughs> just the dynamic I think she and I have. Um, but wow, sorry, I'm, I'm really finding that, that novel. I, Never would have thought of that. Okay. I'll, I'll scribble that one down and maybe I'll sort of do it on the sly. <laughs> um, ah, the question, I'm kind of just randomly kind of popping ideas in as, as they come to me. Um, when you were sort of talking dealing with, with JavaScript and being a fairly simple language, do you, do you use any of langu other languages that transpile to like TypeScript and so forth? Or do you sort of write directly in JavaScript? Um. More the former. I have kept an eye on, on TypeScript. I, I like some of the ideas that it presents. I haven't had as much luck as far as being able to actually like get a project completed with it, and then being able to actually go through and you know the process of, of running it or building it. Um, I haven't found that to be as easy, unfortunately. So I'm I'm hopeful that the project continues, though. I think it's a good idea. Um, I've worked with enough other languages where there was more of a focus on types with things like you say, like Haskell or, um, or to maybe to a degree Lisp, um, languages that are a bit more obscure, more esoteric, but that I think present a much, uh, more focal feature set around types and being able to use them, uh, to make a lot of mm -hmm. the tedium of doing things like type checking less, you know, less necessary. Um, so 
I mean, that's that's been my experience. I, I, am, I am hopeful that uh, TypeScript gets to a point where it's a bit more ubiquitous. Okay. Now, like, that was... Oops. Um, that was the main one that I'm aware of. I think I looked at TypeScript, CoffeeScript, and there was one other one, possibly. But I had the impression, rightly or wrongly, that TypeScript seemed to gain a lot of momentum, mainly because it's um, creative... Was it based out of Microsoft, is it? Or have I got that wrong? I believe it is, yeah. Yep, no, no, I think you got that right. Which one, sorry? Um, Al might be the other one that you're thinking of. Yeah, that that could be the one. It, yeah, it rings a bell. And I sort of wondered if maybe it might be just sort of simple to work in those and then transpile it rather than in sort of JavaScript directly. But it was more of a kind of a, like a thought bubble. I was wondering in times gone by, but had never pursued that to find out. So, yeah. Yeah, to my knowledge and experience, CopyScript was sort of an earlier attempt to do that sort of thing. Um, the only experience that I had with it was at sort of a, uh, a hackathon yeah. type event, and I honestly hated it. I, I had more issues with it than not. So, um, seeing evolutions like Elm and TypeScript, I think it, I think it brings a much more promising uh, view of the language as far as being able to do things like transpile, add features, make it easier to use, etc. Uh, I'm much more hopeful for the future based on those things. Okay. Well, I'm glad I'm kind of, you said that because I remember I had these sort of not so positive memories of looking at CoffeeScript and thinking, I'm just not sure why I'm doing this. And I had it go. It just never, it just never clicked for me. Maybe I didn't pursue it hard enough, but I remember sort of walking away. And then when I saw TypeScript, I thought, no, this seems like it would gel so much more than CoffeeScript ever did. And I haven't looked at CoffeeScript in years. So it's heartening to hear someone else has a, a similar shared experience. Cool. Um, at that point, um, that's kind of about sort of all I had. I didn't want to be or come across like I'm kind of just plumbing just for something um, to cover. If there is, however, something that you feel would be a natural continuation, I'm happy to, to continue on. Well, offhand in terms of, um, of uh, I guess personal slash professional news. Uh, the only other things that I've really had going on recently were um, I actually did have an article published in PHP Architect Magazine in the uh, November issue. Um, it was a, sort of an introductory object-oriented programming uh, type of article uh, going through you know language features and concepts that aren't necessarily uh, something you might find in, say, the manual, which reading through it, it seems to just more assume that you, you know what these things are. Um, so that part one of that is out actually in the November issue, and I'm working on an, a part two that's going to cover some of the more high level concepts. And, uh, like, I guess also be sort of a, a kitchen sink of some of the language features that I find that are useful, but not necessarily something that I'm going to introduce to a beginner. So I can't say for certain when that part will be out. It might be the December issue. It might be next year, but, um, that's, you know, something that's out there. Uh, and as far as anyone else who may be wanting to see me in the community again, I know I've been on kind of a hiatus. Um, I actually will be uh, presenting at Sunshine and Midwest PHP next year. So, so yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, I've, I've, got, I've gotten out of speaking for a while for various reasons, partly for work, partly for, for, for family things that I had going on. Um, but so I'm, I'm hopeful that I can kind of, you know, get back into it. Awesome. Well, 
um, at that point, because as that was the, the the big plug to sort of wind down. Um, thank you for uh, taking out some of your uh, day to chat with me on the podcast. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. So what did you think of the session with Matthew? Are you keen to get in and write a book? Have you written a book and you think I should update it? Am I going to do it now? Will I not do it? Because maybe it's a bit too much work. All good questions. Are you thinking of using another, another language? Are you having a go at Node and you are mostly a PHP developer? I hope that one of these topics that we talked about has helped you to maybe make your decisions in a bit more of an informed way, give you a, a, a greater depth to your knowledge, to your perspective. Anyway, that's a wrap from me. You can find out, as always, all you need to know about the episode, about my wonderful guest, Matthew, and anything you heard within the session at freethegeek.fm forward slash episode forward slash 0037. That's freethegeek.fm forward slash episode forward slash 0037. If you know somebody who would be a great guest on the show, if you would like to be a guest on the show, get in touch with me anytime at freeingthegeek on Twitter or at setamjd. That's my personal Twitter handle. Alternatively, you can email me anytime. I may not read it straight away because I might be sleeping. But anyway, you can email me matthew at matthewsetter.com. And that's a wrap for this episode. And I'll see you in a week in episode 38.